Will this be the one? Will this be the one? Will this be the last take I take? Let's see. Take four or five or 18. Who knows? Who knows? Here we go. All right. Integrated Rhythm, episode three, introduction. Hello, all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. In today's podcast episode, we will have a conversation with our friend Stephanie. Stephanie is a rising star in the world of cybersecurity education. She's a beautiful swing dancer and swing dance instructor, passionate about diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work in all of her realms. She's witty AF, a fashion icon, and super welcoming. All traits of a wonderful master of ceremonies. Here's looking at you, events. Um, hire her for your... Ah, da, da, da. Why? 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 Tell me why. Tell me why I can't get this intro right. Tell me why I don't understand this plight. Tell me why I just can't get this intro right. I want it right this time. Take 556. She's witty AF, a fashion icon and super welcoming all the makings of a wonderful master of ceremonies. Who's looking at you swing dance events, get your MC here. Whether you want to play kingdom hearts, have a riveting conversation about Neil Gaiman or sample a delicious homemade German cuisine made with a touch of love and informed by her German American heritage. Mm, I've gotten a chance to do this. It's delicious. Stephanie is the woman for you. While this conversation doesn't explicitly discuss race, we do highlight aspects of intersectionality and invisibility. We spend the majority of this episode talking about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and its impact on our friend and our co-host, Bobby, who also happens to have yeah, so that that was not the last take. Okay. So we're going to do this. We're going to do it. We're going to crush it. Today, we crush it. We crush it. Okay. <laughs> I have a dream today. I have a dream that Shisomo will finally get this introduction down. I have a dream today. I have a dream that in this moment, Shisomo will adequately and appropriately represent one of her favorite people. Take 795. While this conversation doesn't explicitly discuss race, we do highlight aspects of intersectionality and invisibility. We spend the majority of this episode talking about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and its impact on our wonderful friend Stephanie and our co-host Bobby. Listen in. We're so excited you're here. There it is. Finally. There you go. I did the thing. Hope you like it. Integrated rhythm with Jasomo and Bobby. Hi everyone. I hope you enjoyed that introduction given by Chisomo. When she had sent me the original files and I saw how many takes she had done and how she was mentally coping with it. First off, I very much sympathized. Second off, I knew it would be a crime to not let you hear some of that. Take it as a sign of how much love Chisomo has for Stephanie that she tried to get that take perfect. And, of course, when, when you have to get it perfect, it can take so many times and just cause a downward spiral. That said, we hope the funniness of Chisomo messing up takes 
doesn't overshadow the amazing things she was saying about Stephanie. We're talking to an incredible person. We're here with person special guest Stephanie really Schilling. Hello. Hello. Stephanie is very comfortably under some blankets, on some pillows, and she said, I'm 80 years old right before we started the call, which I can contend with because in quarantine, very quickly, very quickly, Jessica and I were at the park sitting in lawn chairs saying, that's a new duck. <laughs> I haven't seen that duck this week. What kind of duck is that? And then we'd look it up on Google and like, that should have a much prettier name than wood duck. <laughs> um, and so like we photos just... of a duck at the botanical garden today. And I would also, so I also said I'm 80 cause I have like a heater pack on behind my back, <laughs> my bones, my bones, my bones, <laughs> the crackling. Crackle, crackle. Uh, oh man, I, yeah. When I, now that I sit in a chair, like I, my body used to hurt from all the swing dancing practicing, and now it hurts from just sitting in a chair for nine hours a day. Yeah, my a colleague of mine said that um, she actively feels her behind widening <laughs> every day. <laughs> so rough. That's rough. Yeah, we were like, yes, <laughs> you know, when you have back to back meetings and clinic, I mean, this is everybody's reality. You're sitting in front of a TV screen or TV TV. Is that what this is? Computer screen that can dub for a TV screen from nine until like who knows when. 7 p.m., 8 p.m. It's a long time. So inquiring minds want to know, Bobby and Stephanie have an interesting superpower. And I do actually say superpower because I, I think um, that it, it can be super beneficial. But I will let you speak for yourselves. But you have an interesting superpower called attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, attention deficit disorder that uh, they would like to talk about. So could you tell us about that a little bit, Bobby, Stephanie? What's it like? Yeah. Oh, what's it like? Yeah. Or <laughs> any iteration of the question. As, as you'll probably find out sometime during this podcast, what will happen is that my brain will have a thought. And then before I have a chance to even think that thought out, a new thought will come in halfway through the process. And <laughs> so, and it's, it's, it's just, quadrupled over quarantine. It's something that Stephanie and I chat about sometimes because it can be weird, especially in times like this. Yeah. And for those of you who can't see, Stephanie did a wonderful gesturing of thought coming in, thought coming out, and all the other scattered thoughts around it. So just yeah. is incredibly good. Um, when we, over the course of our friendship, she has become incredibly talented at keeping hold. I feel, I feel like we're like French braiding, and she's very good at keeping hold of all the threads because we'll be, we'll, we will start a one conversation and then have 10 other conversations and then come back around to the first conversation to actually finish it out. So um, for those of you who don't know, um, Stephanie is my best friend. So I talk to her literally every day. So we get lots of practice doing this. So, yeah. Uh, something that uh, has just been really weird for me over this whole quarantine process is um, uh, I, I told this to Stephanie. I had a vacation a few weeks ago, and when I got home from that vacation, I just stood in my kitchen and had a single thought for more than like five seconds, and I can't remember the last time that happened. And then I was like, I guess I should do some chores. And then what I did is I did some chores. Not only that, I did one chore without doing half of it and then splitting off and starting a new chore. <laughs> it Woo! was 
And I was like, is this what meds are like? Because I hadn't taken meds since I was young, um, which is a whole different story. But, uh, but the, 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 long, the short story is, is that uh, my parents didn't know if I had ADD. They didn't know how to diagnose it at the time. And so the doctor was like, well, we can give them meds. And if it works, then we know he has ADD. And so they, <laughs> they did. But then I stopped drawing. And I was a really big doodler and drawer, which is one of the reasons why my grades were so bad. Because if my teacher wasn't interesting, then I just did nothing but draw and create elaborate drawings all, all day and get in trouble. And so the ADD meds worked because I started getting good grades and I stopped drawing less. But then my mom was like, whoa, this is not good if, if he stops drawing. But apparently I took myself off that. Apparently I took myself off the medication. I, I, I unmedicated myself, but I, I don't have a lot of memory of that. The drawing thing is so interesting. So like as of this last year, I am medicated. Um, it's been super, super interesting in figuring out um, how to best handle my ADHD because I used a lot of um, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and worked with individuals um, who were practiced at helping coping mechanisms. I am lucky enough that I have a teacher for a mother, and she works with um, different disabilities from um, moderate to extremely severe. And so like, I mean, I had that therapy right at home for who knows how many years of my life. I still have it. This poor, <laughs> wonderful woman who just loves me for the person that I am and helps me do life. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, I used a lot of those techniques and then grace, just being patient with myself. I don't have to be patient with my brain where if I just couldn't, I would let my brain obsess about whatever it wanted to and then eventually go back. It meant I also had crazy work hours on top of having crazy work hours. So that was fascinating. And then we moved into an open office space and I'm like, oh, oh no, this will not fly anymore. If someone sees me staring at the pattern on my desk for 15 minutes because my brain is just fascinated with that and won't let it go. I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to get fired. I literally, it was fear that drove me to, to seek out the, the help and medication. And, um, it is just wonderful. And I'm so happy that I did. I'm lucky enough that I found a psychiatrist that believes in ADHD, um, because there are like those people out there who do not. And, uh, <laughs> the first day that I took it, Bobby, my mind was blown. I was like, is this how people think I can actually do the thing. I can do the thing. I can hold one train of thought in my mind without like everything else banging on the door and yelling at me for my attention. I'm actually, it was fascinating to actually be able to control and choose what you focus on versus things just grabbing, just grabbing me. Um, though that ability also makes me really, really good at like the creative side of my job because I constantly am taking in all these different data um, that when I need to go ahead and put it together, whether it is in strategy or whether it is, it is in design or building my programs out, I am, um, I'm able to do it, I think, with more input than most people have. Yeah. Here's a question. How does ADD play a role in being a, like, a, you're a primary follower, is that correct? In yes. the dancing? Does that, does ADD play a role in, in, like, your, how that goes for you? Like, your world of following? Um, that's a good question. So, I'm going to walk back on my yes a little bit. I am a I struggle to say I'm a primary follow because I feel like in Cleveland, I'm a primary lead. And I also, and I also really, really enjoy leading. Um, 
And I think to someone I've talked about this before. So when I am in the zone following, and I think it's when my ADHD um, is honestly kind of spazzing that day, it is a place where I, can I, am I allowed to swear? I'm allowed to swear, I'm going to swear. Where I'm zen as fuck. Where I'm like, whatever you throw at me, I will be ready. Bring it on. Um, And I can catch a lot more. And then there are days when I don't have that, but I'm like, but I can see into the future. <laughs> Want to come with me? Um, and those are the days that I lead. I don't actually tend to spend nights um, flip-flopping back and forth between leading and following. I mean, I will if one of my good friends wants to dance or if we're working on some things um, because doing that constant change is really hard, particularly when I'm not in the mindset that I'm trying to pull myself over into. Yeah. So, can I can I get um, settle some definitions for a second? So first, I want to say that attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is characterized by a few different things. But what's interesting about um, about what you're talking about is that you were diagnosed officially later in life because usually. Um, people are diagnosed when they're children and the preponderance of evidence that we have about ADHD is normed on young boys. Seven-year-old boys. Yeah. I was a seven-year-old boy. Yeah. (laughs) I am part of actually the the lost generational woman because ADHD tends to manifest itself in women differently and young girls. And and conforming to that societal pressure, it tends to result in perfectionism and overachieving and all these other things that mask a lot of the symptoms. Yes. Totally makes so much sense. Uh, My sister, I got, so my mom has lived with my sister and even longer than with me. Uh, Both my parents lived with her. Uh, And (laughs) see, I told you what happened. My brain's like 18 different places. So uh, my sister, I got diagnosed with ADD at, you know, 12 and interesting. I don't know. Uh, interestingly, the, the teacher was not allowed to say like teachers aren't, weren't allowed to diagnose. I don't know. I assume that not allowed anymore. That is a pretty dangerous thing. But my teacher told my parents, she was like, listen, Bobby is exhibiting this, this, and this characteristic. And they're like, are you saying he's got like, ADD. And she's like, I can't say that. And um, anyway, so <laughs> wink, wink, I, nudge, nudge, and, you should probably go talk to someone. Yes. And as, as a therapist, I can throw the healthcare side of that later on. So keep going. I'll, oh, right. And I'll, so um, explain that later. And so my, here we go again. Oh my God, this week. Uh, and so I, so I got diagnosed at 12, grew up knowing, you know, learning, understanding what this all meant to me. My sister, I go home this last month and my sister says, oh yeah, I've been diagnosed with ADD. It, you know, and it explains why I do 4,000 different projects. It explains why classes never held my attention. It explains X, Y, Z. And I was like, that makes so much sense. But no one in the family ever thought about it. Yeah, now, there's actually a friend in the, in the swing scene who kind of has a similar story. Her brother was diagnosed young. She just got her official diagnosis this year. Um, and she remembers being a little girl. She remembers being a little girl and being so angry with her brother because he was getting the help that she desperately needed, but her not having the words or the vocabulary or even potentially the individuals and the experts who would believe that she also needed the same. Yeah. So 
the the idea is that ADHD is an executive functioning disorder, so that impacts organization, planning, attention, memory, etc. For, for, uh, uh, for those of y'all who don't know, oh, I was just going to say, for those of you who don't know what it's like having executive function disorder, this uh, my nephew who has severe ADD, and I very much sympathize with this, uh, he will go upstairs with the intention of doing a task, and then he will walk into a room, and then my sister, his mom, will find him 20 minutes later, like reading a comic book or something. And she'll be like, did you do the thing? And he'll be like, what thing? (laughs) So continue. (laughs) Yeah, no, I just wanted to throw that out there just in case people were confused about like what is characterized by ADHD. But I think Stephanie, what I was going to ask you is to talk a little bit more about um, the, the presenting things in you, because we have like our stereotypical understanding of what ADHD looks like, but when you don't look like that or you're high per- performing, you're high achieving, you're a girl, <laughs> oftentimes people are like, oh, she's got this. She's handling so many different things. She can take 21 hours uh, at college and run clubs and do other things as well. No big deal. We're not going to question that. Um, I, I went on the low end because I was trying not to put your business out there. But yes, college professors in the United States who understand what a U.S. credit load is, riddle me this, 23 credits. How many of you like savvy advisors would allow that? Just throwing that out there. But anyway. My advisor was awesome, by the way. <laughs> Stephanie Schilling is just so incredible that she was able to handle it without batting an eyelash. So anyway, I I would love for you to talk a little bit more about like how this presented in you and how you managed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I... You said that, and I, I think I had a Bobby moment where my brain went, <laughs> where like <laughs> someone and I were talking earlier today, yesterday, and I went to go make, she, she said something, I went to go make a joke, but I had so many jokes and so yeah. many different categories that just came out as moments past. Never mind. <laughs> None of them worked. I was it like, was I'm like, we had, we had like the funny, clean category. We had the dirty category. We had the nerdy category. We had, I just went through categories. So um, for those of you, so Stephanie and I make a beautiful pair, but it is actually kind of funny. Um, she is tall and lean and I am short and you can see a picture of me if you Google my name. Um, <laughs> so, thank you. Um, and so, and so, but I'm sh- I'm short. I'm short. And so, this was last night. Somebody, you were like, you're like, yeah, we could have, we could have had this short joke. We could have had this other short joke. <laughs> so I was like, touche, totally. But yeah, so yeah, it is. It is interesting. Um, well, one, uh, when we talk about, I mean, when, when, when we say, so I have ADHD, I think Bobby, you said that you have ADD. I have a, I definitely have an hyperactivity impulsive part of my ADD, um, which is interesting because it's normally in, um, younger boys and then it fades out. Most girls don't see that. Um, but, uh, the preponderance of research is really just based on young boys and it just looks very different 
uh, they they believe and when I when I say the I mean like 97 or 99 percent I'm not, it's one of those I'm not quite sure right now but we're talking about research on this for years and there's actually a movement in the um psych uh, in psychology and in psychiatry to um help change the diagnostic tools and to help mm -hmm. expand examples and what um and what we consider this to be because of a uh, lost generation of women mm -hmm. more or less um, it results a lot of times because co comorbidity with ADHD exists. So mm -hmm. it likes to hang out with other issues like mm -hmm. anxiety and depression. Um, and when you have a young girl who becomes a young woman who becomes um, an adult who is dealing with this without recognizing or the support and a, a, a half a community who just doesn't believe ADHD exists, the, un the unability to actually get diagnosed um, it was really hard. Uh, a lot of the things that I took as personal failures, like, I mean, would leave me just sobbing mm -hmm. in my sleep because I didn't understand, like, why is it so hard to find my keys? Why does, why do my keys end up in the fridge? I wish mm -hmm. I was joking. I used to work at a Starbucks and my boss lost his keys. I'm like, did you check the fridge? And he laughed at me. He looked for them for two, for two hours and he found his keys in the fridge. He's like, why would you think to look there? And I was like, oh, let's not talk about that. Um, uh, to the point where like laundry is really hard. Like, la like laundry is hard to the point where I have to make sure that I am obsessive about it um, so I can actually not have moldy clothes and just a bunch of other things. Like I have no concept or sense of time. Um, luckily, I'm, I now can tell, I, ca I call it getting stuck. I can now tell um, that I'm stuck either. Sometimes I can, I can catch it myself, but my um, beautiful boyfriend uh, will notice when he's like, hey, let, let, let's do this. I'll be like, yeah, sure. And then, and then he'd be like, hey, 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 hey. And to me, it feels like he was saying something every 30 seconds, but uh, I now ha know myself well enough and our relationship well enough that I'm like, he is trying to let me know that I'm literally stuck and 45 minutes has gone by and I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, the the two like the shame thing. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. That was something that I really only realized way too late in life, and I'm still trying to deal with it. Is how much shame comes with ADD and certain personality types. And like, like you said, like I just spent so so long thinking, like, why can't I just do this thing? And like the for things instance, that everyone else does, right? Like things that like like why don't I know where my homework is? Why can't I keep track? Yeah. of my different school binders and my notebooks. I don't understand why is going to a rotating schedule so hard for me because everyone else seems to just do this. And my poor mother, like when I say my mother of a teacher went through every single organization technique that, that she knows with her 10 year old daughter. And I just, I just still, I still couldn't. And like, it was weird because people were like, but you're so smart. And you are like, and, and, and the things that, that things that, that you can do. And if you just paid more attention, if you just tried harder and I'm Oof. like, you don't oh. see how hard, oh geez, I'm trying to tear up. I'm like, you don't see how hard I'm trying. I'm literally trying so hard and I'm drowning and I'm still failing and I don't know what to do. I totally feel that. I think, uh, my, my dad, he passed away when I was 27, uh, and it's only over the last, you know, 10 years, unfortunately, <laughs> it's, it's only now that I've started to realize that, like, I think uh, we think he might have had some ADD problems himself and his shame that he felt about his own 
inability to like control his life was also something that he reflected in me and I reflected in him. Like we both, you know, like we were just that perfect personality types. It was like, he felt shame about him. He didn't want to see his son have the same problems. I felt shame about not being able to control those things. And I saw that he felt shame or not shame, but he felt, you know, like concern, a great deal of concern for me. And like, just like, Oh man, yeah. I'm feeling it. Yeah. It, it, it's super, I love you. <laughs> I love both of you. <laughs> um, it it is. It's interesting seeing both of you live your lives and present. You know, like I, as you're talking, it made me think of like this idea of an invisible disability, right? And um, people look at you and they see you, like they see. Stephanie, who is this, like, speaking of cussing, badass cybersecurity educator, like, literally won an international award last year in 2019, um, and is highly respected in her field. And she, like, honestly, is just at the beginning of this amazing career and uh, is just kicking ass and taking names. And you see Bobby, who is this international rock star. Um, swing dance instructor and historian and I like I think people see you as these things and so um that can be hard to reconcile like the badassery of who you are with um your everyday struggles and so so first of all thank you for sharing and then second of all I want to flip the script a little bit because I really do see your ADHD your ADD as superpowers and so if we were to bring it back to the dance con context. So I'm going to do the thing that Stephanie was doing. I'm braiding. I'm braiding the, the thread, right? Uh -huh. The earlier thread. Um, so I would have to agree with Stephanie. Um, she's definitely, we have this term in swing dancing. Um, and for those of you who are not swing dancers, uh, swing dancing is a partner dance. And so there's a leader and the follower. The leader um, is the one who kind of sets the intentions of movements, followers uh, follow through with that. Um, what you might have in your mind is like a ballroom dancing couple with a man and a woman, but that doesn't necessarily have to be yeah. the case at all. At yeah, all. Yeah. In fact, um, I have two dance partners here, uh, Bobby and Stephanie. <laughs> and so we and I think everyone leads and follows in this conversation yes. and exactly. has led and followed the other person. Exactly. And so um, Stephanie is what we would call like an ambi dancer. She does both. We're, actually, we're all ambi dancers, as Stephanie just said. We all lead. We all follow. Um, and so I've seen your ADHD play this superpower role. Actually, I've seen both of you do this in your dancing because of the, the way that you're able to interpret and understand ideas. Um, so either in like solo variations, things that you're doing just by yourself or ideas that you share with other people, because your brain is kind of taking in all sorts of different ideas, you're, you're kind of like seeing, like you said, seeing into the future of the music, living in the present, and then carrying your partner along, which is a thing that all dancers have to do. And most of us struggle with this. We're like, so as a primary follow, I'm a I, I'm a primary follow. I, as a primary follow, I'm like, okay, am I listening? Am I listening? Okay, cool. Oh, wait, I have ideas too. Oh, wait, I should be, you know, and so like I'm integrating all of these things, but you two are so good at like being in all of those places simultaneously. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I think Bobby and I dance differently though. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I mean, like, obviously like, we dance differently because, you know, I am missing you're, a good foot from my height. And you're um, different, people. <laughs> different people, different lived experiences. I'm missing 
some things. The red lipstick. <laughs> Listen, Fenty, Fenty, Rihanna, I, I, I would just say go try it out. It, it's right. it's an every color red, so everyone looks right. great in it, Bobby. Ooh, just saying. Exactly. Um, but from how we approach dance, I really think that there's some fundamental differences. Absolutely. Because, like I feel like that 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 Zen. I'm here, but I can also. I don't think I ever have moves or styles or variations. Um, I think I'm very um, influenceable, and also okay going where it goes. Um, but Bobby, I feel like when you have mentioned talking and approaching your dance that you tend to be more methodical than I am at a level that I do not exhibit almost in any place in my life, but definitely not. <laughs> and, and, and I envy so much Stephanie's ability to like be in the moment. And, and I wonder how much of that was me kind of starting the dance in a place where there wasn't much there wasn't much nudging for people to take on the dance roles that weren't commonly attributed to gender at the time that I started dancing. So for those of you who are new to swing dancing or swing dancing culture, uh, when I started dancing in the late nineties, generally men were leading and women were following generally, there were some exceptions, but that was like such an obvious thing going on and like most classes they wouldn't even say lead and follow they would say like, like okay like, guys okay I put an asterisk here and people like to say historical roles but we have enough history to know that everyone did everything absolutely and like yeah, yeah. absolutely okay. yeah there's a no, that was no, my side note. sorry so box off good no don't yeah don't <laughs> don't apologize at all that's a fantastic point to make by the way those just like stephanie said that was not the case back in the day there was there was a uh, we have, like she said, exactly like she said. I don't need to repeat what she said. She was absolutely <laughs> right. Um, so it's ADD Friday. Swing dancing uh, when you were leading. Right, yes, you started. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, when I started, I, I started off as a lead. I didn't question it very much. And the leader does have to like know a little bit what's going on in the future because they have to initiate the momentum that's going to take our partners into the future. And so for me, uh, you know, there's, there's a desire to be really good at leading and to make it comfortable and to do cool stuff, especially back then. That was, you know, a very important value for, for me and many people in the dance. And so that takes a lot of planning and thinking. And then you see all these amazing dancers. And before I realized it, I was like, oh, I bet I can, I bet I can try that thing or try that thing and try that thing. And what I wasn't realizing is that the method, the method that my favorite dancers were using was a more improvisational in the moment method. And I was thinking that it was all planned. And so I tried to go about planning that. Oh, and so, yeah. And then like, you know, five, 10 years ago, when I started trying my hand at following, and I'm definitely a primary leader, I'm, 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 I think I'm an okay follower, but not an amazing follower. And I definitely would need to work a whole lot at it in order to like, call myself to deign myself to be actually um, a follower. Uh, but the uh, something I realized really quickly was how I could dance in the moment when I was following and how that was the thing that I wanted. I was like, oh, that's the thing that I should be doing when I'm leading. And so I'm actually trying to do that a lot more as a leader. So that was a weird case where like my brain, I think, got in the way of some of my original intentions. But I will say that uh, something really interesting that, that 
this whole conversation brought up is I realized I had a little bit of a meltdown the other day, like a, you know, like a two minute meltdown. Like, well, so, uh, and part of it's because of the stress of COVID and the stress of putting together routines for contests over virtual, you go and you film the routine. Uh, and you know, you only have so much energy for that, for filming that routine that day. And then you have to go and do it again tomorrow if it doesn't go well, that kind of thing. And so anyway, uh, I was, uh, the ADD brain is fantastic for dancing improvisation you know, for like doing what it, we in the swing dance world, if you're going to do a spotlight or a strictly or, or a, a mix and match contest where you, you have random partners assigned to you, those contests are supposed to be social dancing. We're just supposed to let it happen in the moment. Um, where my brain, Bobby White's brain just feels so unprepared or unsuccessful is in the choreography brain where I have to remember a choreography that spans three minutes, oftentimes with some pretty complex things going on in it. And basically my ADD brain, I'll, even if I get the choreography in my brain, right. And I can like map it out really easily. Once I start dancing, I'll just get distracted by things. I'll be like, I think my leg is a little too tense here. And then all of a sudden, wait, what's coming next in the choreography or like, okay, I think that swing out. I think, oh man, there's a bird over there in the trees. Cause we're filming in the park, you know, like, yeah, there's so many like we're filming in a park because we can't use the studio. Anyway, long story short or short story long, depending on how you feel about it. Uh, like I just got so mad at myself because I couldn't remember the routine to do it successfully all the way through. And like time is an issue and, you know, space is an issue. And like there's all these pressures coming on. And that was a moment where my 80 we were talking about 80 is a superpower. And I just went ahead and turned it back around into a critical way. Uh, I love dancing the moment. Stephanie's awesome dancing the moment. But it's so interesting, right? Because if someone was like, you have ADHD and you have ADHD and all my friends have ADHD because she seriously collects us and I don't understand. But <laughs> I don't, or you're drawn to me like a moth to a flame. I don't know. <laughs> That's your alphabet. We just like need to be close to you. It's fine. Um, but, okay, so like the, the two things that I think that you said were really interesting uh, is your is how you started with move-based leading. Um, because even now I feel like I have rhythms and I have movements and come what may. And I hear things in the music and I respond to that. I in part wonder if it's because I grew up playing several instruments. And so some of that is already in me and then it was moving it from here or from here into the rest of this. Um, your choreography thing is also really interesting too because I'm like, uh, even though I feel like I suck at picking up choreography, um, just someone I have been in situations where we have been around with people who uh, um, actually just need more practice than us. Like, we're, like, like I would not say amazing, but um, I would ha unfortunately have to admit that we do uh, have some skill in it. And so like the picking up choreography thing, I don't actually have my ADHD ping me like that. And I'm wondering once again, if it was because of music, because I also did marching band and stuff, or if it's, or if we, I, when you were talking, I was wondering if, if, if it's because I hyper-focus, because I can do the thing when I know that I'm in trouble, I'm, I will, when, when I'm going to struggle, I will literally just be, I will, I will wish it into sheer determination. And the cool part is when you freak yourself out enough, you flood your body with stimulants, which is what <laughs> ADHD medication is. So I probably like actually help myself that way. Yeah, yeah. it's so interesting. I, and it made me think of our conversation. Sorry, Stephanie sorry, and I had a conversation. 
Right. <laughs> She's having a conversation with two ADD people today. So my role. I was gonna say, I think your athleticism also, Stephanie, you had a history of um swimming and these other athletics where you had to kind of like the movement, right? There's a form to swimming and I'm speaking from a place of without, so please correct me. And if I'm wrong, swimmers, please don't come for me. Um, <laughs> so, but I, but I, I feel like there's also uh, a thing about like long-term muscle memory practice too. Like there, you have a lot of, I think, skills that choreography requires and uh, which may or may, those hypotheses may be wrong. But the thing that I think is really interesting is that you two are the quintessence of like how ADHD presents itself differently. And if you use Bobby's metrics to say that somebody has ADHD and not Stephanie's, then there are people who have the executive function disorder that actually need that diagnosis um, that you're robbing of that. So yeah, that's my two cents, but. Bobby, you were saying a thing. Also, I, I think I love the fact that you're taking time to Somo. Like, 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 Amer- I feel like that that American Jasomo switched on versus them being Jasomo, where you're like, nope, I'm with two good friends. They are both like, Boo! I'm gonna take the space I need. I know. Well, yes, and people who know me, this is a little bit of a struggle. Um, I know. I'm so I, sorry. I, I no, it's all good. I'm actually going to pause us because of time. I think this is probably a time where we need to. Take I was going to say <laughs> okay. we put the ADD person in charge of the time, which <laughs> means that we're taking our break pretty late. So we'll be back in just a second. Hey, everybody! This is Bobby White from Integrated Rhythm. We're here to ask you to please consider donating to the podcast. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash integrated rhythm you can do so by venmoing at bobby swung over and make sure to put a little ir in the note so we make sure it goes to the right people you can also do so by paypaling at bobby white three and once again putting a little ir in the in the window there doing so will help us keep this podcast going and we love doing it and we hope you love it too If you can't afford to donate at this time because times are rough, we totally understand. We don't want you to put yourselves out. We want you to keep enjoying the podcast for free. However, if you have a little bit of pocket change in your pocket, we would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thanks and have a great day. We, Chisomo and Bobby, would love to ask you to please shop for businesses that are owned by people of color, indigenous people, black Americans. You get the basic idea. In fact, I hear there's an awesome bookstore in Chicago. Is that right, Chisomo? In fact, there is, Bobby. It's called Semicolon Bookstore. The website is semicolonchi.com for Chicago. It is a black woman-owned bookstore and gallery space. Their mission demonstrates a commitment to nurturing the connection between literature, art, and the pursuit of knowledge, while also using the power of words to better their community. How amazing is that, Bobby? That's pretty amazing. We know what it's like to, to, you know, like be like, man, I really need that like two day prime shipping coming at me fast. But you know what? How about you order from this bookstore, get that book maybe a day or two later, but still have a warm feeling deep inside of you for helping support the black American business community. We're back. 
All right, so that song that Stephanie just sang was one thing that happened during the break. Another thing that happened during the break that we really wanted to share with you is we asked what we should talk about next, and this was Stephanie's idea. We could um, share our relationship with dance during this pandemic because I think that normalizing the different feelings and emotional spectrum that we're all going through um, would help other people with their journeys as well. Because I have been all over the place from oh i want to dance but do i to nope i don't like this thing to me <laughs> i want to dance and there's no way to dance with me to oh my god dancing is amazing and i love this and this is great and it's awesome and my friends are awesome and movement is awesome and this is good to being like do i know what dancing is and none of my shoes fit did my feet get fat like i mean i so we were just talking about ADHD and we're having a very spirited conversation about that. Bobby and Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Um, Do you have any final thoughts related to that before I throw out our next question? The only thing I have um, is that if you need help, um, do what you can to do it. And if um, you have a doctor that doesn't believe you because there is actually a sizable part of the medical community that does not think ADHD is real or any other thing that, 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 you, that you need help with, find a new doctor. Figure out how to advocate for yourself. Figure out how to get someone on your side and who is willing to actually listen and trust that you might have insight into your life. Yes. I love it. I love it. Yes. And that is like, there's a healthy, healthy helping of that, particularly if you're a woman or if you're a woman of color. Um, being in the healthcare industry Providing services and receiving services, I've seen the disparities in healthcare. It's not pretty. And uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely ask questions and pursue. And this is from somebody who doesn't like to do that. So yeah, I don't like to do it either, but I know it's so important. And I'm so glad that I have been able to do it in my life and get the help that I need as well as have an amazing support system. Yeah. The world, the world of difference that it makes. And you're incredible. So we want to continue to have you healthy and strong and amazing all right my mom tells me (laughs) yeah well and she's pretty awesome shout out to geisha geisla shilling yo geisla shilling's fucking legit it's legit (laughs) i mean with a name like that yeah she's awesome all right so stephanie had a really great thought and so i think we're gonna chat a little bit um for our remaining minutes about um our feelings about dancing during the pandemic. And so as you've heard, what we do in swing dancing is partnered often. Um, and that's hard when you can't touch people. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, a little bit hard. Oh, so, so yeah, so there are a bunch of different feelings that we might have. So thoughts, friends, discuss. Why don't you start with yours, Jisomo? I would love to hear yours. Discuss. <laughs> Discuss. I, I I'm happy to hear yours. I'm happy to share. I also really like talking, so that works. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting. I feel like throughout the pandemic, I've been navigating my understanding of privilege and um, access. And so when you are um, housebound, as we who've been following different like uh, lockdown restrictions, et cetera, are, um, you have reduced access to actual people, right? And so I live completely by myself. Um, so that means that 
in lockdown status and in quarantine, I am by myself. And so I think some of my friends might be tired of hearing me sing the song, all by myself. Like, <laughs> you underestimate us. I, when, I, when, I, when I realized what was happening, I very quickly figured out um, who I would need to be seen in part based upon not only people that I obviously love and adore, but also like, you know what else kills? loneliness like i'm not saying go out and be willing willy-nilly crazy but um as the woman who almost ended up in biology and genetics i also saw the situation and was like oh this is we're a, ooh, we gotta set we, we gotta settle back and get comfortable um yeah. and like i have friends that i know have mental health issues i have people that i know live alone and i'm like cool i got you i got you we are seeing no one else yeah and we will take care of both our mental and our physical health yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so as it pertains to dance, I, um, they're navigating the privilege side of things. I, I enjoy moving on my own. And so some of you may know, um, some of our listeners may know that I, I have a history in African dances specific to Zambia. Um, and then also like some Afro beats as well. So I really do love to move on my own. And like my mom will remind me as I am like engaging in these different endeavors of teaching and dancing and et cetera. She's like, remember how you shamed me when I danced in the grocery store? Because so, <laughs> she can't help but move whenever she listens to me. Music and she passed that on to me. So I I do enjoy movement on my own, but I don't enjoy separation. Um, and it saddens me to be um, away for a long period of time from people who I can be connected to in a physical capacity. So my feelings have largely been that of sadness and a coping mechanism that I've long since employed is just kind of avoid <laughs> certain things. So I'm like, I will, I have feelings about this, but I'm just going to avoid them because I need to keep myself sane. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I feel about it. It hasn't been a whole lot of up and down. It's basically just been like, oh, that really sucks. This thing I really love and I was really getting into, uh, I can't do it anymore. So... Yeah, I mean, we live like 20 minutes away and I haven't seen you in who knows how long. Yeah, yeah. And I'm currently quarantined because of anti-masking. And I'm not trying to make anything a political statement. I love... Ooh, we can make a political statement. I can make, make, make a political statement. Um, scientists are not our enemy. The scientific community is based upon... Um, uh, it's based upon the, uh, seeking truth and question your own biases to find the truth and not making the data you want line up with the answer you want. It's about having a question and seeking confirmation or the fact that you're proven wrong and working with that to actually go towards what is true. Science is the arrow. Um, and wear masks, wear masks, be safe, social distance. Right. I, I don't quite understand how health and wellness is a political issue. I think that politics should talk about how we exercise government and not who lives or, or not, not who dies from a pandemic. And so, and by wearing a mask, we know that we're reducing risk. And so it is a health and safety issue. It's a public health issue, not a political issue. And if somebody had decided that they were going to wear a mask around another person, then I wouldn't have to be quarantined right now. And I'm pretty sure I'm not sick because it's been more than, it's been a 
quite a period of time um, since that incident, but you were hurting people you don't even know. <laughs> when you- asymptomatic exists as well as there is, while, while, while there is the average contagion period, there is also a longer contagion period, right? And so making sure right. that you are safely outside of that window. Exactly. So- Science. You can't make me watch Bill Nye the Science Guy for years and put me through all those AP and co- and like classes, and then be like, "Never mind, ignore all right. that, ignore science." Yeah, no. Miss Frizzle and the Magic School Bus. Ooh, Emily Wicker's dresses, by the way, are amazing. Speaking about Miss Frizzle, moving on. Nice. <laughs> yes. So coming back, so braiding, right? Braiding and <laughs> the threads. We were talking about feelings related to dancing during this time. Bobby. Thoughts? Bobby! Oh, man. So, um, for those who don't know, I'm a international swing dance instructor or national swing dance instructor, which basically means that my income for the last 10, 15 years has been uh, cities will hold swing dance lessons and dances on a weekend festival and they will look for teachers. And so they'll hire me to go and teach at those festivals. And so like I would, you know, teach 30, 40, uh, sometimes more weekends a year. And when COVID happens, obviously all those things canceled. And so I quickly found myself without uh, an income. And, you know, at the time we thought like, okay, I guess this might last like two or three months. Uh, And when that started and it soon became clear that that was not going to be the case. <laughs> and so uh, the good news is, is that like I had some savings. The good news is, is that I'm very fortunate to have a wife who um, has a paycheck that will not leave us destitute. If, if I, you know, if worse comes to worse and I can't uh, work in swing dancing again for a long time. And I know that is something that not a lot of swing dance instructors have. And so I count myself very fortunate um, to have that kind of safety net and that, uh, so it was important for me to make sure that those dancers who didn't have that kind of safety net had a, had a chance to like, you know, take their space and to like get lessons and, and stuff going online and to like, you know, advertise for those things. And so I did choose to do one project, which was like on Monday nights, I would do a little, a lesson on solo jazz movement and improvisation because that was something I was passionately working on. And I thought it's a great way to continue to work on it is to give yourself those goals as a teacher to like play around with ideas and then present those ideas to students. And anyway, so uh, I did that for a few months and I also decided it was a great time to get back to some swing dance research. Uh, and so there's some projects that I was really looking forward to and I did those. And uh, so throughout all that time, like, Occasionally, I would go, and my wife uh, is uh, an ex- amazing follower, Jessica Miltenberger. Um, she loves all the swing dances I do. And so for a while, like on a Friday or something, I'd, I'd get up and, and we'd go and do a dance or two in the thing, uh, uh, the thing being our living room. And then, <laughs> uh, then we'd say, oh, man, that was nice. That was lovely. And then a few weeks pass, and we would do it. But then a few more weeks pass, and then like a month or two pass, and we hadn't done it. And then all of a sudden, uh, a lot a band was felt comfortable playing live with masks, socially distanced away from each other in the park near our house. And so we went out to that band. And they played a great dancing song. And we got up and there was some cobble like it's really bad park concrete 
cobblestone type situation or a grass situation. And it was a more up-tempo song. And I had been training a lot of my uh, faster swing dancing over the last few years. And it's it something I'm really passionate about and really enjoy. And the song played and we swung out and it about broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Like the you're on grass or pavement and you're, you know, your, your body is saying like, this is not where I am right now. And your heart is saying, you know how to do this. What is your problem? And your body's like, I can't move that fast anymore. And, uh, and what's that move? I don't know what's going on. How do you lead? What is this? And so, um, that actually kind of like, was like, all right, I need to like not do that again for a while. But then, uh, the story takes kind of a, a a good swing up because I um, I realized swing. Hey. Uh, I realized that uh, one of the things that I was missing was interacting with my friends and who dance, and that's like such a big part of working on dance for me. After having spent so many years alone in a practice room, I'm like, eh, that's uh, that's uh, get me around some friends, and then practice. It's no longer practicing; it's playing. And so I'm very lucky to be with two of my practice friends right here. Hey. And uh, I have a few different groups that I would get on Zoom with. And that was very helpful. If you're listening out there and you're struggling and you're wondering what's a possibility, I highly recommend giving it a try. Ask some of your friends to get together on some kind of social media call and just dance with each other and goof around and, and have some fun. It's really been uh, it's really been a lifesaver to my like feeling and desire to dance. Mm. Yeah, those were, they are fun. They are, they are fun for anyone who's listening. Um, uh, I had to motivate myself to do it because I've had a myriad. I don't, I don't know if, if, if we showed previously the Stephanie clip of my reactions to dance um, throughout this time. Um, I had a myriad of reactions when I was asked to do it. And then it was slightly awkward the first time we did it. But then it was just so randomly freeing um, and fun. And I had had a really hard time uh, with dance because I was hurt for a long time. And then I there's an event called California Balboa Classic and I went there and I had six whole dances and who knows how many days with really close friends who were still helping me navigate the boundaries of recovering from an injury, right? Like I've done the physical therapy, I've done the work, um, we have healed for who knows how many months, but also let's not break me and send me back. Um, and then we had California Bible Classic in January, and then we went um, more or less into um, quarantine, where three quarters of the world were under lockdown orders, right? And uh, and I just miss my friends. I miss dance. I have a contentious relationship with swing dancing to begin with, and so I didn't want to and when I got that request um Bobby I don't know if you know this I was voluntold by DeSomo <laughs> I got I, I got the memo that we uh well, well no you reached out to both of us and someone was like we're gonna do this thing and I was like who is this we like don't, don't throw me under the bus just because you don't want to do it by yourself but I showed up because I wanted to be a good good sport friend and obviously hang out with, with one of my other good friends even though I wasn't feeling it when it started it was just good it was just good and it was freeing the manner which we did it 
um, I think that the goal that we honestly had for the first one was to freaking move, right? To get moving, to remind ourselves that like our bodies like moving, our brains like moving, we like this movement, we have built intimate, intimate relationships with this movement. And then I also, um, this last weekend, did the virtual version of Tinkerbell, Ballot Yourself, yeah. I believe. And it was just positively lovely. It was just so, there is so much kindness mm. um, and things that I think a lot of the scene and the instructors believe, um, but often go unsaid, that they mm. want um, diversity in um in thought and in interpretation and in movement and and mm. um just like connection and mm. in styles and styles and variation and that they want you to bring yourself and that there's that's not 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 necessarily any right way to do it and that thing that thing that you do could be cool and it could become the next thing that everyone is obsessed with and mm-hmm. um i think that there's was so much kindness love and grace that I feel like is present in the scene, but maybe those things aren't explicitly stated, but they were shared verbally. Um, that really set a tone for just a bang rain weekend. It was a bang rang weekend and I left it giggling and happy. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, yeah, that makes me really happy. Uh, and something you said, um, if I had one final thought uh, for this whole quarantine thing, it would be uh, on, on the... The priority is self-care. You know, make sure that you are looking after yourself and your own needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and, and the other thing is, might sound slightly contradictory to that, but I highly recommend just kind of forcing yourself to do it a little bit. And if you force yourself to do it a little bit, you might walk away from it knowing, okay, I'm, I feel like it's really hard to predict how you're going to feel about having danced until after you do it or feel getting together with your friends and trying this thing out until after you've done it. And so you can try it and be like, eh, maybe, maybe that wasn't the best thing. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to force myself to do it. And then afterwards you're like, okay, actually, okay. I feel a little bit lighter in my feet today. I feel a little bit happier. So both take care of yourself. Also, you might need to force yourself a few times just to kind of see what the result is. Another opinion is that if you are fully not feeling it and you think it'll make you feel worse, it is okay not to do. I think it, I think it's okay. So like, so Bobby, I appreciate, um, I tend to be of the opinion that pressures, uh, pressure makes diamonds, uh, which sometimes means I break myself. I'm going to be, <laughs> uh, it, it helps push me to do things that I never thought cap- that I was capable of. Um, but on the flip side, I have literally sent myself into depressive spirals, right? And so I think it's okay to honor where you are. And if you know that this is going to cause more pain right now, to, to not, to not. And like, the, the scene will be here, this dance will be here, this thing that you love will be here whenever we can actually do it again. And it's okay to honor where you are. Yeah. I... I, I love the combination of thoughts there, right? Like, so yeah, I totally respect that. So many, um, so we balance is found um, at the center point of seemingly opposing thoughts, right? It's important for us to hold multiple perspectives in our minds simultaneously. And that is the ask, right? It's do what's best for yourself. If dancing is healthy, is is going to inspire health, then do it. If it's not going to inspire health, then it's going to lead to a depressive spiral. Then you know what? 
can walk away from that. <laughs> so absolutely. Please walk away from Please that. Please not walk away from that. But yeah, I'll say like after that, after that swing out, I walked away. Yeah. And I was like, I do not need to be here right now. Yeah. And so I, I think that it is, um, it is okay to have friends tap you though, because those, those moments where I let my friends, because I was actually up for it. I was like, okay, well right now I'm being a schmuck and I could do it. So fine. Yeah. We're also joyous. Yeah. Well, and your friends love you, right? So part of the reason why you were voluntold was because people were really excited to dance with you. Those people. You were so you. patient with me because I was still so like I would I I had resigned myself to the fact that I was going to do this. Not like a mo. I was just like, okay, fine. This is what what we're doing. But uh, I think part of me was still so grumpy. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you guys remember. I kept my hands in my pockets for oh, yeah. a good half an hour. So I was like, no. And I was like all about it. I'm like, Stephanie, I love the style, man. <laughs> Keeping it so casual. You just got your hands in your pockets, just moving around. I was, I was like, yeah. 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 Well, and that also like demonstrates the theory and I'm about to throw, spit some truth out to you. So listen up. Dancing is nothing but fancy walking. So literally anybody can do it. And if you can't walk, we move whatever you can move your eyes, your shoulders, your whatever it's dancing is accessible. It's supposed, it should be accessible. Um, so, so yeah, if you are just strolling around with your hands in your pockets, that can look pretty bad. Yeah. It looks pretty bad at the net. It did. did. Well, you also have an element of cool. So anyone who doesn't know her, like she moves. uh, (laughs) Can you say that louder for my sisters? So, yes, uh, understanding like sibling and sibling things. Yes, Stephanie moves around with an element of cool. And I'm quoting other people. So, like, when Stephanie heard you say that, she got the goofiest smile. (laughs) Cool. Out the window. That's right. I'm pretty cool. Yeah, she is. Well, Goofy is the new cool. What? Thank goodness. The only thing I got. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Integrated Rhythm. We'd first off like to thank Tom Blair for his fantastic advice and Robots Radio Network for all of their support. We would also like to thank Michelle Stokes and Laurel Ryan for their musical musings. Thank you so much for our introduction, our outro, and anything, any sound things you hear in the middle that are really cool, that's them. We appreciate you. And special thanks to Jessica Miltenberger for her enduring support, not only of this podcast and the inner workings thereof, but also as my wife. And great gratitude goes out to our friends and family who are the shoulders that we lean on and the ears that we speak to. If you listen to this podcast, you're part of that, and we appreciate your enduring support. 